We're planning a midweek Zoom School of Ministry Bible study, an interactive study to help equip the body for service. I'm just curious, how many of you have already been, already been a part of some sort of video conferencing? Okay, good. Anybody not been on a video conference at all? Okay, all right. It's good stuff. It's good stuff. <clears throat> All right, I have a devotion. Uh, one other, oh yeah, if you want to give to the church, you can drop off um, your tithes here in the boxes in the back or mail them to Ten Strike Community Church, P.O. Box 67, Ten Strike, Minnesota, 56683, or give online at tenstrikechurch.com. Um, some friends of I and I have been meeting on Wednesday nights from 6.30 to 7 p.m. here at the church. We just decided... Uh, we're going to meet uh, this Wednesday at 6 p.m. from 6 to 7.30. So, love to have you join us. We're going to start a book study here soon. We'll decide that on Wednesday, which book study. Uh, one of the things that one of my friends and I have been doing is a uh, Bible study online. We use the Version Bible app. It's so awesome. All the resources here you can find on your phone. Uh, we've been doing a uh, daily devotional, and sometimes they're five days long or seven days long. I want to share one of them with you. We talked about this last Wednesday. Um, and it says, Mogadishu is a tricky place. It's full of beauty and hope and violence and bullets and explosions. When an attempt is going to be made on someone's life, their car will be cut off from those who are providing protection. Then bad things happen. So 20 minutes into our drive, as we were winding our way through Mogadishu, we turned down a narrow street, and a car cut us off. The driver of our car turned to me and said, with no small amount of terror in his voice, this is really bad. Now, there are th two things you do not want to hear in Somalia. This is really bad, and I'm the captain now. I wasn't expecting what happened next. The guys with the machine guns protecting us in the truck in front started shooting. Never short on words, all I could muster in the chaos was, yikes! I know it doesn't sound big, deep, and theological, but it's big, deep, and theological. Here's why. I've spent my whole life becoming more and more comfortable. I have a house a car, a boat, heck, I have a dog I don't even want. What I've discovered is that comfortable people don't need Jesus and don't chase their ambitions. Desperate people do. If we're going to get after our ambitions, God doesn't want us living right in the middle of comfortable anymore. He wants us living on the edge of yikes. Living on the edge of yikes can be scary and hard, and it's sometimes even painful, but that's okay. Keep breathing. Stay after it. Move toward your edge where Jesus is waiting for you. God's not leading us to the safest path forward, but it's to the path where we'll grow the most. And that really hit me, convicted me, and we talked about that on Wednesday. Um, this is from a devotional by 
by Bob Goff. Um, and so what does that mean for us? Where is our growing edge? Um, it's common to think about things that we're not doing, things that we need to do more of, like meet your neighbor or ask your coworker about life or get up early to pray. Lovingly confront someone. If you know me, sometimes you know I confront people, but lovingly confront someone. Volunteer. Um, some people are too busy, and I'm standing in front of you as a person who can be busy. It's a challenge for me sometimes to be still. Take time with God. Pray. Listen. That's uncomfortable for me sometimes. That's like, yikes, what am I going to do with time alone? Time to be quiet. Face my own issues. But I think the challenge this morning is just live on that cutting edge where God wants you to be. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, I thank you in advance for what we're going to hear in our sermon this morning. Lord, we want to hear what you have to say to us today. We need to hear what you have to say to us today. Lord, we look forward to how you want us to grow to the next step, and we need your help. So we thank you for, again, the, what you have for us, and we look forward to walking on a new level with you today. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Thank you. Thank you, worship team. Good to hear some of those songs again. Hallelujah. Let's just take a moment. As we were worshiping, I could, you know, I just had a sense that sometimes when we're worshiping or praying, we pray at heaven. You know, we just kind of direct our prayers toward heaven. But today it's the person of Jesus Christ. It's the living Father. So let's just take a moment and talk to Jesus. Talk to the Father himself one-on-one. -on -one. He loves you. He accepts you. Well, let's just say thank you for all your goodness. Just focus right on the, on the Godhead. Thank you, Father. Father, I praise you. You have ransomed my life through Jesus Christ. I thank you, Lord God. I thank you that your love has been displayed toward me. And I worship you, Lord God. You are seated in heaven. Jesus, our Lord, is seated at your right hand. You've welcomed me into that union through his blood. Thank you, thank you, thank you for this personal relationship in Jesus' name. Amen. Hallelujah. So this morning, I have a guest reader with me. <laughs> so I'm going to have Phyllis just stand up and give a wave to everybody to let people online know who she is. <laughs> And I'm going to have her, there's a couple of sections here that we're going to read, and they're a little bit longer. So, uh, we'll, again, we're going to go back to 1 Samuel chapter 1. And last week we talked about Samuel the prophet. Today I want to just look at some things that led up to his birth, the family life, different things. And, and we want to shroud this in, and we want to cover this, this section with God's mercy and grace and how God does amazing things 
even when we're walking, walking through difficult relationships and difficult times. Amen. So let's just humble ourselves before the Lord and allow him to speak to us. He's here to strengthen our heart. 1 Samuel 1. Just the right size. <laughs> okay, now it is. Now there was a certain man from Rehathim Zophim, from the hill country of Ephraim, and his name was Elkanah, the son of Jeroham, the son of Elihu, the son of Tohu, the son of Zaph, an Ephraimite. And he had two wives. The name of the one was Hannah. The name of the other, Paniah. And Paniah had children, but Hannah had no children. Now this man would go up from his city yearly to worship and to sacrifice to the Lord of hosts in Shiloh. And the two sons of Eli, Hophni and Phinehas, were priests to the Lord there. And when the day came that Elkanah sacrificed, he would give portions to Peniah his wife, and to all of her sons and daughters. But to Hannah, he would give a double portion, for he loved Hannah. But the Lord had closed her womb. Her rival, however, would provoke her bitterly to irritate her because the Lord had closed her womb. And it happened year after year, as often as she went up to the house of the Lord, she would provoke her, so she wept and would not eat. Then Elkanah, her husband, said to her, Hannah, why do you weep? And why do you not eat? And why is your heart sad? Am I not better to you than ten sons? Then Hannah rose after eating and drinking in Shiloh. Now Eli the priest was sitting on the seat by the doorpost of the temple of the Lord. And she, greatly distressed, prayed to the Lord and wept bitterly. And she made a vow and said, O Lord of hosts, if thou wilt indeed look on the affliction of thy maidservant and remember me and not forget thy maidservant, but will give thy maidservant a son, then I will give him to the Lord all the days of his life, and a razor shall never come on his head. Now it came about, as she continued praying before the Lord, that Eli was watching her mouth. As for Hannah, she was speaking in her heart. Only her lips were moving, but her voice was not heard. So Eli thought she was drunk. Then Eli said to her, How long will you make yourself drunk? 
put away your wine from you. But Hannah answered and said, No, my Lord, I am a woman oppressed in spirit. I have drunk neither wine nor strong drink, but I have poured out my soul before the Lord. Do not consider your maidservant as a worthless woman, for I have spoken until now out of my great concern and provocation. Then Eli answered and said, Go in peace, and may the God of Israel grant your petition that you have asked of him. And she said, Let your maidservant find favor in your sight. So the woman went away and ate, and her face was no longer sad. Thank you. Hallelujah. And so in verse 2, let's, we'll go back here and just re-examine a couple of verses here. This whole section begins with a description of the family life. And the foundations of the family life were out of order. You know, marriage from the very beginning was to be between one man and one woman. Somehow he had two wives. And it's interesting, that's the first thing in describing this family. It was not a good dynamic. God knows the highest path. Amen. And so when we are not on the firm foundation of God's word, in his way, you know, God is merciful, he is kind, you know, he blesses us, he extends his hand to us, but we can sow things into the, into the atmosphere, into our circumstances that are contrary to God's highest and best. And the end result here was strife. Amen. So once again, Phyllis, Mark 19. And I just wanted to read this morning what Jesus said about marriage. Mark 19, 3 through 9. Matthew, I'm sorry. Or I'm wrong. Matthew 19, 3 through 9. And some Pharisees came to him, testing him, and saying, Is it lawful for a man to divorce his wife for any cause at all? And he answered and said, Have you not read that he who created them from the beginning made them male and female and said, for this cause, a man shall leave his father and mother and shall cleave to his wife, and the two shall become one flesh. Consequently, they are no more two, but one flesh. What therefore God has joined together, let no man 
separate. They said to him, why then did Moses command to give her a certificate and divorce her? He said to them, because of your hardness of heart, Moses permitted you to divorce your wives. But from the beginning, it has not been this way. And I say to you, whoever divorces his wife, except for immorality, and marries another, commits adultery. Amen. Praise God. And I just want to declare today that the modern ideals of what makes a family has not changed in God's kingdom. You know, man can make all sorts of declarations and statements about, you know, being inclusive and being open, but God's ways do not change. There is one man, one woman bound together, and God says, I will bind them together. And so there's something supernatural in the kingdom of God between a husband and a wife. And there is staying power in that cementing together. There's a grace there. God sees it when we're united before him. And here, Jesus said divorce and remarriage was only permitted because of the hardness of heart. Well, we don't want to just pursue the expedient. We want to, you know, do the highest for God, live in the highest way before God. And he will help us. If both people will surrender to God, love God, invite him to intervene, he will help. And it's not according to natural reasoning, but there's a grace that comes in Jesus' name. A number of years ago, I mean, this was quite a while ago, Phyllis and I were meeting with a lady, and she came and asked if uh, she could come for help with problems in her marriage. And she came alone, and her husband didn't want to come. And I said, well, I, you know, I can't help you for him, but I can help you for you. And the Lord just showed me that we need to relay foundations of her spiritual life. And so I said, okay, if you want to come, but we're going to work on your heart. We're going to work on the foundations spiritually of your life. And surprisingly, she said, okay. <laughs> I thought maybe she was going to say, I want something else. <laughs> but she said, okay. And she came, and we met with her for like a year and a half. Well, how long was it? At least a year and a half. It wasn't like, most, quite often every week, but sometimes every other week or every three weeks. You know, when God speaks to somebody, begins to implant things into their heart, sometimes you just need, need to let it rest and develop and take root within that person and not try to just keep adding more and more and more on. And so when people become settled, then you can go on a little bit. And all we would do, we would pray a little bit, but we just opened up the word of God and God's anointing was there and there was just a thrilling 
expression of the heart and the love of God. That was, and we were all just kind of amazing at the power of the word that was being given. And so I, at, at the beginning, I had seen like a, a cement slab that was bright white, but it was just cluttered with leaves and branches and had a whole bunch of stuff piled on it. And every once in a while over this time that we met with her, I could see that every once in a while I'd catch a glimpse of that slab and it was being cleaned off a bit. The foundation was being swept clean. And after a year and a half or whatever, uh, Phyllis was driving into our meeting from North Home, and I was coming from Black Deck, but she caught it before I did. She said, I think, she, you know, just in her own heart, she said, I think this is the last day that we'll meet with her. And then we met with her, and I got halfway through the time with her, and I saw that this cement slab had been completely wiped clean, and it was just clear. Amen. And this lady went to another midweek service somewhere. I mean, this lady wasn't from TCC, but uh, anyway, she went to another a meeting out of town. And the lady that was a pastor there said, had a prayer for her or something and said, talked about a, a foundation, a white foundation that God was cleaning up. <laughs> Amen. And so, you know, the things of the spirit, you know, when they're really of God, there's a, there's a connecting together. They're working together. Amen. Amen. You know, in, the, in Ephesians 4, it says that we, we all do our work and we build the body up. And so we're not alone. God's spirit is working in many ways. And so anyway, she went on in life. And then, a, you know, a couple of, we checked in with her after a couple of months or something, just to have her come in and see what she was doing. And, and she said, you know, God has given me a verse, and it was a verse that stretched me, because I thought, well, I don't know if that's right. <laughs> but at least I had enough sense not to say anything. <laughs> you ever had those problems <laughs> of saying things that you shouldn't? <laughs> but anyway, of how to pray for her husband and some spiritual actions to take, and God did a miracle in her husband, in their relationship. I mean, it was remarkable. And they were pretty serious issues. Praise God. Praise God. God is for our families. God is for us. And we need to make a commitment that we are going to walk in the highest way that God has declared. Let me just read a verse here out of Romans 8. For the mind set on the flesh is death, but the mind set on the spirit is life and peace. Because the mind set on the flesh is hostile toward God, for it does not subject itself to the law of God, for it is not even able to do so. And so when we just try to, you know, the, the world system has designed all sorts of rational reasons why all these different forms of union are okay. But the, the mind of the spirit says there's one way and it's God's way. 
And we cannot allow these external voices to come in and to, and to begin to pull at our heart and, and pull us into natural reasoning. God's way is the way. The highest way for us to experience life and glory. Amen. And the second, then we go back to 1 Samuel 1. The second thing we see here is that the day that the husband would sacrifice, he'd give portions to uh, the rival wife. <laughs> That's what he called her, the rival wife. And anyway, and to all her sons and daughters. So she was very, you know, blessed in having children. And he, he would take care of them and give them you know, what, what, it was, what was needed. But to Hannah, he would give a double portion, for he loved Hannah. Amen. And so even though he was supplying this other wife with the necessities, yet because he loved Hannah, he would give her a double portion. And this went on year after year. And I was thinking about this, and I can imagine it wasn't only that there was some problem when they came yearly to sacrifice. There was probably some tension ongoing. By the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaks. And listen to what it says, that she would provoke her she would speak and provoke her bitterly to irritate her. Amen. Aren't you glad the Bible is real in what it describes to us? It's not just glossed over and just, you know, unrealistic terms of it. Here, this is what they were living through. And we can look at Penina, his wife, and we, you know, and this opposition she had, and we can criticize her, and wow, she must have been really a bad person. But yet, she felt rejected. She felt unloved. Isn't it an amazing thing? God wants to work on all sides. Because bitterness had come into her heart, bitterness was being ex expressed and it was bringing destruction to others. And Jesus wants to heal that one that feels rejected. And because of that rejection, kind of blasting out things that harm others. You know, Paul talks about a bitter root that is, that's been buried It'll spring up and defile many. And this is a classic statement about those things. And so, would provoke her bitterly to irritate her, just trying to get provoked, trying to get a reaction. Just trying to get her to step into that conflict zone of anger with her. And that's an amazing thing that Hannah, we never read about her retaliating, never opening up her mouth and saying things that were going to strike back. 
I have a feeling that there are those here or listening online that have gone through some of these kind of relationships. Can be family, maybe a, a boss that's overbearing, maybe you know some other kind of a situation. And God wants us to realize that there are roots in people's lives why they act this way. Sometimes we just never see the real source. We just react to the out expression of that. Listen to what it says in Hebrews 4. Therefore let us labor to enter into that rest lest anyone fall after the same example of unbelief. For the word of God is living and powerful, sharper than any two-edged sword, piercing even to the dividing a part of soul and spirit and of the joints and marrow, and is a discerner of the thoughts and intents of the heart. Talking about Jesus, the word of God, the living word. He is very present. He is very active. He is the one that fulfills all the promises of heaven to us. But it's the person of Jesus Christ. As the head of the church, he's looking at our heart. He's, he's you know, not just looking to judge us and condemn us. He's looking for opportunities. He's looking to, to bring healing and health and resurrection into our life. He judges the thoughts and attitudes of the heart. And so that doesn't mean he condemns us. It just means he evaluates and he sees clearly. He knows what's really going on. And then going on here in verse 13, neither is there any creature that has not, that is not manifest in his sight, but all things are naked and open to the eyes of him with whom we have to do. Wow, we can surrender to this all-seeing gaze of Jesus Christ. We can surrender to him, lay our life out before him. Everything is already naked and laid bare before him. Well, in our own will, we can say, yes, Lord, I acknowledge that you see everything and know everything. And I just surrender. I surrender to that all-viewing eyes that pierce through to the very depths of my being. I open myself up to your work. We can trust him. He loves us. And then in Hebrews 7, 25, listen to what he says. Therefore, he is able also, Jesus is able also to save us to the uttermost, completely, perfectly, finally, for all time and eternity, those who come to God through him since he is always living to make petition to God and intercede with him and intervene for them. Isn't that great? Jesus is always living for us before the Father to intercede for us, to intervene for us. And then the Spirit, as, as he's interceding for us, as he's opening up the heavens, the Holy Spirit comes and administers his will, his power, his goodness to set us free, to change, to, to change those unchangeable things about our life. 
You know, sometimes we, we go through things and we just feel powerless to change it. We try everything we can. But here, the key is to lay our hearts open, lay them bare before Jesus Christ. He comes, he removes the pain, he removes the bitterness, he removes the anger. Amen. Back in the 70s, I had a couple of people that I had prayed for that got filled with the Spirit, and that's not one of my gifts, to pray with people to receive the gift of the Spirit. But the first person I ever prayed for, he just started speaking in tongues. I thought, well, I've got it now. But it only happened once or twice since then, you know, 50 years or whatever. But anyway, so we, that night we went in and to the home. We were out in the car praying, and, you know, God blessed him. And, and so... We were talking to his wife, and she said, I want that. Can I have that? I said, okay, well, let's pray. So we prayed, and nothing happened, you know, that I could see. But I said, well, what's going on? And she said, I've got this great desire and love for my father-in-law. <laughs> and they had been in a bitter battle over land and inheritance, and I don't know, just really had gone way overboard, court and everything. And, and she got caught up between, in this whole thing. And she said, I just have this desire to call him up and to tell him I love him. <laughs> Amen. And so she called him up and she says, I just want to tell you I really love you. <laughs> wow. That's God working. That's Jesus working. That's his power working. Somebody say amen. Hallelujah. He cares. He cares. Jesus cares. He loves. Never be afraid to go his way. Never be afraid to open your heart up and completely abandon yourself to him. He will set you back on a path that's full of life for him. Amen. And so, let me just read a little sentence I have here. Hannah took the right course. She went before the Lord and prayed through her great distress. She could have tried to handle everything in the natural. She could have went to her husband and said, make her quit. I mean, this is way beyond and you know there might have been moments of where things happened but yet this is what the Bible records and then her husband encouraged her to eat and in verse 9 then Hannah rose after eating and drinking in Silo and Eli the priest was sitting on the seat of the doorpost of the temple of the Lord she, greatly distressed, prayed to the Lord and wept bitterly. She was wounded deeply by these biting words, the self-condemnation that this lady was heaping upon her, that, you know, God had rejected her. She didn't have any sons for, for her husband. Look at me, I've got all these children. He's pleased with me. 
I mean, she just was pouring it on bitterly. And then she prayed before God and she was feeling the pain of all these things and she wept bitterly. Bitter words affect deeply, defile many. Hannah was wounded deeply by those biting words. Then she makes a vow to the Lord about if he would grant her a son. And then in verse 12, now it came about as she was as she continued praying before the Lord that Eli was watching her mouth. As for Hannah, she was speaking in her heart, only her lips were moving, but her voice was not heard, so Eli thought she was drunk. And he said to her, How long will you make yourself drunk? Put away your wine from you. And you know, if we if somebody that has has walked with God and knows the ways of God and hears the voice of God, if they initially don't catch our heart cry, don't just throw it overboard. Eli, as he talked with her, caught something of the spirit. He caught the attitude of heaven. Amen. We're all just human. And we may not instantly catch the, the cry of someone's heart and we may just answer in a preconceived way. But, but don't dismiss the people of God. They can turn and speak a word that's full of life. And then listen to what Hannah says. As for Hannah, she was speaking her heart, only her lips were moving, but her voice was not heard. And then, but Hannah replied in verse 5 or 15, No, my Lord, I am a woman oppressed in spirit. I have drunk neither wine nor strong drink, but I have poured out my soul before the Lord. And then this this next phrase is so revealing. Do not consider your maidservant as a worthless woman. That's what she has been hearing and hearing and hearing for all these years. You are worthless to your husband. You are worthless as a human being. You can't even have children. What is wrong with you? That sounds like the devil, you know, condemning us over things we have no power over. But this is what came out of Hannah's heart. Do not consider your maidservant as a worthless woman. Not you too. (laughs) For I have spoken until now out of my great concern and provocation. Isn't it amazing? The effect that condemning words have upon people that are made in God's image that Jesus died for? We need, to, we need to say, Lord, if this is happening in your families, if this is happening in your life, no matter which side you're on, if you're the one that out of bitterness is speaking things that bring destruction or you're the object of that 
Now those words, we need to pray. We need to draw near to God. We need to just lay our heart out before him. And then Eli, when she expressed the depth of her concern and the reality of her life, listen to what he says. Then Eli answered and said, go in peace and may the God of Israel grant your petitions that you have asked of him. He didn't even ask it what it was. He just agreed that he sensed that the God of heaven was going to extend his hand and answer this petition. And she accepted him, his word, even though he had kind of rejected her. And now she says, let your maidservant find favor in your sight. So the woman went her way and ate, and her face was no longer sad. She welcomed this prophetic word, this release of the speaking of, of God through, through Eli, the priest, And she took it as the word from the Lord. Wow. We pray, we seek the face of God in the midst of, of, of division and strife. And, and we're, if we're feeling torn down, we keep seeking and seeking and knocking and knocking, asking and asking. When Jesus said, everyone who seeks and keeps on seeking and knocks and asks, that is in the imperfect tense in the Greek where it's an ongoing action. Ongoing action. Begins in the past and is ongoing into the present. Everyone. And she would just pray and pray and pray and pray. And, you know, as I, as I read this, I see that there was something working deeply within her heart as she kept crying out to God and calling out to God from this constant torment. It worked something deeply within her and now the prophetic word comes and lifts her spirit up. And she was able to give birth to one of the greatest prophets of the Old Testament. As we saw last week, God watched over Samuel and did not allow any of his words to fall to the ground. And, and I, I just believe that Hannah had a part in that kind of a impartation to Samuel. The beauty of her commitment to God, and even though she was walking through terrible times, Yet the beauty of her commitment, God saw that. I can trust this one. And even though after Samuel was weaned, she gave him into the service at the temple, yet she would come every, bring him a new, a new cloak every year. And I'm sure there was other connections that they had. But yet there was something that was passed on because the purity of her heart, that she had guarded her heart. Guard your heart above all that you guard, for out of it are the issues of life. Amen. The Lord found a heart he could trust to give birth to be a mother 
to a great prophet that would lead his people and be a beacon of light for the nation. God, in his great mercy, worked through an impossible situation in the end to bring out a glorious end, a glorious manifestation. Let me read one more verse here in Galatians 6, 6 and verse 1. And this is kind of a New Testament application for us. Galatians 6 and verse 1. And I'm reading out of the, the Passion Translation. I have TPT and I try to remember what that was for. My brother, my beloved friends, if you see a believer who was overtaken with a fault, may the one who overflows with the Spirit seek to restore him. If somebody is bitter and angry and and that you can just feel it. We need to pray. God can give us a grace to help to restore them to life. And whatever has caused that bitterness, God can wash it away in the blood of Jesus. He loves the bitter people. Let's say that. God loves the bitter people. <laughs> Isn't that great? He loves the broken people. Through the years, I pray for a lot of people that have come under the influence of a Jezebelic type spirit, controlling spirit, whatever name you want to put on it. But it works havoc in their soul, in in their heart, in their mindset, in the view of how they see themselves. In in Jesus' name, I, I, I take authority over their words and I call upon the resurrection life to come. And wow, what a transformation. You who are spiritual, you can restore people that are overtaken. They're overtaken to be bitter and to release these things or overtaken, they've come under the spell of some of, of that kind of an influence. Jesus anoints us to set people free. I like what he says here, the last part of that verse. Win him over with gentle words, which will open his heart to you and will keep you from exalting yourself over him. We don't win. I went through a hard time and, you know, and left the church and just had some real difficult things happen with the board. And I won't go into all of it. But my side is pretty good. <laughs> my side of the story makes me sound pretty good, but you know we all we all have ways that we're not perfect. But anyway, I, I, we went to Saskatchewan and we're starting a church there and things. And I met with uh, some pastors in a pastoral meeting, like over the region of the group I was ordained with, and. and uh, I was still feeling some of this pain from this situation. And I just shared it. You know, they were faith people and all that. But I just shared, well, you know, I'm still feeling some pain. And you could have heard a pin drop. (laughs) You were supposed to talk faith. You were supposed to talk victory. (laughs) 
I just shared my heart. It's okay to share your heart. Amen. And afterwards, one pastor came up and he said, well, I went through something like that, but I didn't let it bother me. I was too big for that. <laughs> that was exactly what he said. Well, good for you, you know, but that doesn't help me any. <laughs> and God brought me through it, hallelujah. But, you know, we win people over that are going through struggles with gentle words. And I like what he says, which will open his heart to you, will keep you from exalting yourself. Amen? Verse 2, love empowers us to fulfill the law of the anointed one. As we each carry, as we carry each other's troubles. The love of God is for me, I know I'm loved. The love of God, I worship the love of God, but it's also it helps me to carry other people's burdens. Well, when, they, when people know that you're carrying their burden out of love and you're praying for them and you're not giving up on them, that's a powerful thing in God's sight. It's interesting, at the last days, you know, the people come before the Lord, before the, and for the judgment seat or the judgment of God. And Jesus will separate the sheep from the goats and to the, and I won't go the whole thing, but to the goats, he'll say, you know, I was in prison, you did not come and help me. But I was sick and you didn't even come and visit me. We get so hung up on healing and not hung up in the wrong way, but, but that's all we can see. The other part is that the Amplified, you know, you lovingly looked after me, you helped me. That's a great value in the sight of God. And I see the people of this congregation doing that not just saying, oh, you should be healed or something, but entering right in and caring, caring. God honors that. And we, while, we're, while we're waiting for them to receive the grace of healing, we still, you know, we love them, but we're still believing for, for the total victory. Never give up. Then in verse 3, if you think you are too important to stoop down to help another, you are living in deception. Let everyone be devoted to fulfill the work of God, to fulfill the work God has given them to do with excellence. Well, excellence is filled with the passion of God's love, motivated by love, moving in love, Speaking in love, letting that heart of compassion be expressed to build up and lift up someone as going through an evil attack of the enemy. And their joy will be in doing what's right 
and being themselves and not in being affirmed by others. So we just be who we are, filled with the love of God. We just be who we are and express what God has put in our heart in that mercy, compassionate stance. That is, that is our reward. We're not just looking for a, a pat on the back. We're looking to express God's heart. Every believer is ultimately responsible for his or her own conscience. Jesus is working in us, in you, to move you to love people. Not just with those that are pleasant, or that maybe you can find a, a point of agreement with, and then you agree with them and reject somebody else. God wants to work on all fronts. God wants to work on both parties. That's our job, to let that love, you know, just allow there to be expressions to open hearts up, that true union can happen if it's a marriage or something else. Jesus is working through his body. Let's pray. Hallelujah. And as I've been talking today, and maybe you've looked over your own life and you have, God has brought into light some of these manifestations that have been in your experience and in your family dynamics or some other relationships, Jesus wants to help you. It starts by abandoning our heart to him. So let's do that right now. Maybe you've never known him, never come into that kind of place with him. Today is the day to lay out your life before him, accept his way, accept his lordship. So just pray with me. Father God, I thank you for the gift of Jesus. I thank you for his love for me. I thank you that his blood was shed for me. I thank you that everything in my life is laid out before him. And I receive the love of the truth today. I receive the love of Jesus Christ. Come in and be my Lord. Come in and show me, teach me how to follow you. And Father, now I ask that you would give me the grace to forgive all those that have harmed me. Forgive me. For taking sides. Forgive me, Lord. I have not expressed your heart. I've taken sides. Forgive me, Lord. I ask for your truth to rule and reign in my heart and then through me to those that are in need. Jesus, you are my Lord. Let's say that again. Jesus, you are my Lord. And Father, we, we pray this in Jesus' name. And everyone said, Amen. Well, good to see you all today. Hallelujah. So let's share that love and let's move in the goodness of God. Amen. If you have needs, we'll be here. Pray with you.